0: Yak babies, sex, presidents, and sometimes books.
1: Welcome to Yak Babies, the so podcast on the internet, sponsored by Slug Sauce, the only sauce made from and by slugs. <laughs> my name's is Aaron. Here are my personal pals, Dave. Hey, boys. We have Brick. Hello, slugs. And we have the no longer Irish old Nico. Hello. Yes. Welcome. Today, uh, this episode rather is a start of the second installment of a new or a new installment of an old series canon or canon uh we did canon or canon the first volume for a couple maybe about a year or so maybe a little less than that and back then our premise was to revisit sort of canonical works kind of like reading list books uh, from school reading lists and to see do they hold up you know should they still be reading listed you know should people still be reading jane Eyre these days is there any value in that and if it was, we put it back in the cannon. And if not, we shot it out of a cannon into the ocean to be eaten by Poseidon. The problem with that model was I realized I was never going to vote no. <laughs> because I <laughs> I just believed those books are all good and should be read. Like that it, part of it it grew out of my frustration with those dumb Twitter threads that cop up every once in a while of people being mad about books that are to read in middle school or high school and it just always makes me furious. So we have retooled the format to, I think, be a bit more surprising and maybe also more interesting for for us, too. Our new premise, as you may have heard in a couple episodes back in the feed, is what will be in the canon in the future. You know, what books from the modern or modern-ish era Will have legs do we think what things do we think will sort of have the staying power and will last to become part of the western canon and which ones will you know maybe fall away and and sort of lose their sheen in the you know five ten something like the years so before we get into that i do want to talk about the canon just briefly and kind of get your my personal pals here sense of what is canonical or what does it mean to be in the canon in the first place i did a little research to start this i i went back to harold bloom and read the first part of his book, The Western Canon, just to, I don't know, see, like, I wanted to see what someone who was an important part of establishing the idea of the canon, especially in the, the, the you know, 20th century, what his framing for it was. Hell will you know, controversial figure, I suppose, but I wanted to see what he said. And what I found interesting was that his, one of his key definitions or factors for a canonical work was strangeness. The work had to be strange in a way that it stays with you, right? Not strange in terms of like, you know, it's psychedelic or whatever, but more strange in that it does something different, unique, uh, and sort of unsettling to your consciousness and that it sort of becomes, you know, embedded in it for good reason, right? Which I think is a pretty good metric for, for a canonical work. You know, it's sort of, it's not just good, it's it's strange. Do you guys have things you're looking for in, in canonical works like that? Yeah, the kind of definitions or attributes?
2: I do. Yeah. Well, I, I think for one, we put out an episode already where we sort of sourced our new reading list for this yeah. and we need to follow that up to say that it is very much incomplete and yeah they're just ideas uh yeah they're just ideas and we're looking for more in fact our, our next book that we've identified is not on that list right um we can share it at the end and people can read along with us to answer your question i, I think one of the things that i find probably most important is for it to be challenging Mm. And I, I don't necessarily mean necessarily from like a diction and st- syntax standpoint, but like, I think books that are quote unquote canonical are things that become important generations later, or at least a generation mm. later, and they stick around. And I think in order to do that, they need to, in some way, be representative of the culture, whatever that is, mm. even you know, big C or little C. Uh, that they're representing, but they also need to challenge the reader Hmm. in some way, right? I don't think, you know, I don't think just kind of easy breezy reads stick around.
1: There's something you're thinking of that you could maybe sort of like uh, exemplify that or or to model that. Like, what's a book you think is maybe too easy? Like, I I think
2: there were a lot of, I assume there were a lot of contemporaries of Jane Eyre Hmm. that were pretty good. They were probably well written and Mm -hmm. entertaining and kept people, you know, entertained and engaged. But they didn't stick around because they weren't as I don't know, iconoclastic or Mm -hmm. at least like they weren't they weren't pushing any 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 boundaries, right? Right. Whereas Jane Eyre does, right? Mm -hmm. And there's there's things that book does that I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't reading back then, but feel progressive for the time that it was written Mm. right and I'm sure there's you know it's not like that was the only book written that year there must have been hundreds right and so that that would be the kind of thing I'm talking about right there's lots of like pretty good like literary fiction books right now that are like well-written entertaining don't fall into the things that we generally talk about hating that I don't imagine anyone's going to remember uh, in
1: 2060, right? Right. Okay, so like, yeah, work that makes you work at it a little bit to get into what it's trying to do or trying to accomplish, so it's not just like giving to you on the surface of, of what it's about or what it wants to be about. Yeah. 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 go, Dave, do you have things you're looking for in a canonical work?
3: Yeah, I, so I would push back on challenging, but not all the way. Mm-hmm. I think depth is important, mm-hmm. but not necessarily... Yeah challenging because i think challenge like a book can be approachable and you can have fun reading it and it can be an easy read but then if you really want to dig into it there's a depth of themes and character and all that kind of stuff that maybe isn't uh isn't presented in a challenging way but is there like so i would think of the sisters brothers which was Hmm. a really uh, an easy book to read entertaining but then the more you dig into it there is a lot of depth to it and you can uh you know you can write a paper about it or you can just read it on the weekend like either one i don't think challenging this is necessary but i don't think it you know precludes something from uh being in but then also i would say originality Mm. uh, which is pretty much the same as strangeness i feel like or uniqueness like doing something that do either doing something or doing something in a way that is that hasn't really been done before. Yeah, and then I would say uh, influentialness in like how much that thing then becomes, uh, you know, a thing that people do. Like everything from Shakespeare to Gone Girl is kind of has has a, a an outsized uh, influence on the culture because because of its influential. Yes. right right
2: like ready player one <laughs> i mean
3: yeah yeah i mean yeah this was that's true it just fails on uh depth. we'll get
1: there <laughs> <laughs> it fails big time with depth but hey so sure. does the road so you know <laughs> steve do you have things you're looking for in economical work
0: yeah i guess it's those things it's kind of like then there's a question of how do you differentiate you know like your own canon yeah. it's like I have books that you know are, are in my own canon that I don't feel like necessarily should be in the cultural canon, and I think it's sure. it's difficult for me to to explain why that is so maybe I don't fully know what what I'm looking for.
3: Is that because of they didn't have a cultural influence
0: it might be i'm I'm also I also don't feel like I'm kind of in touch with what's having cultural influence. And also like what does that mean for books that are, are <laughs> recent like the ones we're talking about?
1: Yeah, that's part of an interesting question is you know, influence yeah can be measured at different times and different ways, right? The influence of, you know, the road, for instance, yeah, now sixteen years after its publication is different than it might be in twenty years or than it was even five years after its publication. So Right. Yeah. And, and we we've talked about metric.
0: you know, like books that are labeled like, you know, the it book of the summer or whatever, so that has its influence, but yeah, what what worth is that? Usually nothing, and it doesn't last. I guess
3: I, I would say it's like how much it lasts, like whether you can go into a bookstore now and and find a book on the mm. shelf from five or ten years ago. Like that's nice. an initial indicator.
1: Mm. Yeah, and then how
3: much other books copy it. I would yeah, say it's another one.
1: Yeah, do you feel like there's a style? Yeah, no. I wouldn't say it's a canonical work in the sense that something to be celebrated but 50 shades of gray certainly had an influence like and that's still being felt today you can go to the if you go to target you can see tons of books that look just like it yeah although increasingly now that trend has shifted towards more of the woman in the window kind of series of like those like thriller mystery thrillers right Right. which is gone girl influence yeah right exactly
3: yeah (laughs) yeah like the there was a story I, i read about gone girl after 10 years and it was about how how influential it was and how it had created this ba- basically giving it credit for making uh, the, the kind of a almost a amoral fe- female character front and center yeah so i mean you know obviously that's probably not going to be in the canon but that is an ample example of influence yeah why, w- why will Definitely. it not be because
0: of depth lack of
3: yeah yeah i would say depth it's more it's more of a you know plot twist shock book rather than yeah. like a nuanced book <laughs> so like there's not a lot of depth they're, they're not super realistic characters it's more just yeah. a, more just a kind of a shocking fun to read book
1: yeah i would but say maybe lacking in strangeness
3: a little bit well maybe a little bit yeah it depends how you define it yeah that's true
0: if it's if it's still being read in twenty one twenty two or would
1: we say that it's part of the canon then?
2: maybe we need to add it to our list of books to read <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean I have read it I don't know I mean that, that's I think it's part of the the question here is like like not what belongs I guess, but more like how do, what's the lifespan of these works, I guess, right and the truth is that the vast majority of what's written and published is going to be forgotten, right? Like looking at just like recorded history. Like the books that we have now that we think of as canonical. You know, it's like a, a young person's fallacy as like a budding, you know, fan of literature is you think that everyone was reading david copperfield and jane eyre right it's like yeah they probably were a lot of people were but there's also like a tons of their stuff that's being published at the same time that just like didn't get celebrated didn't get anthologized or whatever and has fallen by the wayside and we know that those things could have happened to works that we treasure now movie dick could have fallen victim to that right it was hated when it was first published and was wasn't rescued until the early 20th century so it's those tricks of fate right um so yeah i mean the, the truth is that you know the most of the stuff won't be canonized, uh, probably. But it's in like sifting through the sands and seeing what what kind of glimmers there, what seems to to offer some promise or some hope. I think.
3: Yeah, that's kind of one of the things, though, that I would say differentiates a book in the canon from just a good book. Is right. Like it right. has to have that place in history.
1: Yeah, that role to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I should say I don't endorse harold bloom's ideas necessarily <laughs> but he's fascinating to read and i do like uh, you know the problem with the western canon is that he explicitly defines it as like a response to like feminism and marxism which is like the boy what he calls a school of resentment which i don't agree with but i do i find his thoughts about it or his, his approach to like what count or what's um what's significant and what's not interesting And that's why I sort of chose him to engage with, because it it was the sort of, I don't know, the the stem that was most interesting to me. Let's get into our first work. So we chose The Road as our, duh, road, uh, as our first canon option, canon or canon option in the new series. 2006 book by Cormac McCarthy, his 10th novel, and as of this recording, his most recent novel, but he has two coming out in the fall. Uh so soon they will not be the most recent ones. And between the road and his ninth book, I think it was twelve years, something like that, so he's kind of hit a a period of being rich. <laughs> yeah, he has being rich and taking time, right? Seemed like he was some couple streaks of quick publication here and there in the nineties and eighties and now it's kinda like longer waits for his work. Um, made Main Two movie two thousand nine, won the Pulitzer Prize, celebrated book. Certainly made an impact on the culture at the moment, but now that's sixteen years later. Does this book hold up? Am I doing math right? Is it 16 years later? It is right, between 2006 and yes, yeah, okay, great. So <laughs> I want to double check that I wasn't being a total blithering idiot. We want to see how that holds up today. I will say this, just to start of our conversation. I liked The Road, but I did not like reading The Road.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> it was a it was a tough reading experience for me. Like I mentioned before, uh, in our episode, our what a reading episode. I read three books between starting and finishing it because I kept putting it down, and then being like, do I want to read The Road again? I was like, no, I'm going to read The Thin Man, which is like a frothy mystery. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to read about comics and music. And then we go back to it, read a bit more, and then read other things. So I couldn't sustain the experience of reading it. What was it like for you guys I, to read I had it? a hard
2: time getting started. I mm. think I mentioned last time I recorded that I had started it like three times. Mm. However, once I got going, I then read it basically in one sitting.
1: Yeah. I think that's how you should read it. Yeah. Is one sitting. It's
2: not a terribly long book. It's... A little shy of three hundred pages, but they yeah. don't. It's not dense, so it it it's no. probably a three-hour read.
1: And lo, I mean, a lot of the pages are quick dialogue, like long dialogue yeah. exchanges that are like one or two words in, yeah. but they're line breaks. It's a short so they, read, even it's though it's not
2: a yeah. like short book.
1: Yeah, you can really breeze through chunks of it. And I think you're right. I think that's the way to. I, I think don't. So.
2: You know, I think we're gonna talk a little bit. I think Nico, some of Nico's what I what I think are Nico's grievances grievances with <laughs> with the plot structure I think are valid. Yeah, I I think they're also intentional, mm. and I, and I think it's a, it's it's almost like this episodicness of of what happens that mm. that blurs together, and I think that's more effective when taken at once as opposed to reading episodically.
3: Yeah, it's it's also like down to the the whole structure of it is like it's it's short sections most of the sections are less than a page and they're 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 not necessarily there's no chapters right. yeah it's just a series of almost paragraphs that are each different little mini scenes which is and it kind of makes the entire book like just a you know it's 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 I don't think it's a story. I think it's like a series of descriptions, basically. I
1: think you're right about that, or at least I I wouldn't say it's not a story, but I think you're right that the... I was surprised to discover that this was a novel with almost none of the tropes of a novel, right? right? None of the trappings of a traditional novel are here. There's no backstory. There's very little character. It's like what you get from the dialogue and some of the situations. Mostly it's just like the experience of it. It's just like it's... Yeah. Like what happened if you... uh, basically took plot and inverted it yeah. <laughs> and left nothing else. Yeah. I mean, you could describe this as
3: linked flash, flash fiction.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To- yeah. I think you're right. Which I don't like. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know that that's true, but I
2: like it. It's coherent and it connects. Mm-hmm. Right. It just, what it does is it remove. There's a lot of intentional ambiguity in this book and it, yeah it's intentional, but I don't know if that that excuses it
3: from being like maybe not a great choice
2: i but so i I think it's describing people just surviving with no not really much of a past and no future, right? And they just go day to day and wander in a direction for not really an apparent reason, right? And the book is describing that, and yeah. But at no point, it's not confusing, right? There's no, it's not like, it's not like a plot was chopped up and and mixed up and then thrown down. Like, there's a progression to it. It just removes a lot of the connective tissue, but it's still there, right? I don't, it's not hard to follow what's happening in this book.
1: Yeah, it's not pinching. To use the term that you were talking about earlier, challenge, Uh, The challenge of the road, I think, or at least one of the challenges is that you don't get that backstory stuff, right? Like a traditional novel might begin, you know, the the uh, the road begins when they're on the road. Um, I guess we should do a little, like, a brief summary. So the road is about, like, the world's destroyed. It's some sort of post-apocalyptic scenario. We're not sure what. It's never revealed. A man and his son, who seems to be, like, 8 or 11, something like that, are wandering on the road, trying to stay alive, and that's the book. That's basically what happens. There's incidents here and there, but that's the whole thrust, the whole thing.
3: Well, and there's the kind of the looming question, like, when should they kill themselves? Yes. That's, that's like, they have a gun with two bullets, one for each of them, and it's just like, when do we use this?
1: Yeah, the one flashback we get is the man thinking of his wife, who is dead, and she is confronting him with the idea of like, what are we doing? Like, what's the point of trying to survive in this world? We should just kill ourselves. And he resists. He thinks it's important to survive and that's how they end up splitting and how she ends up dying. Right. And so, yeah, the kind of question, she makes him promise that he will kill the boy and himself when he gets to that point. Like whenever right. he gets to the, you know, it's too far, he has to do it. And he kind of, there's a, a refrain of, you know, can I do it? I think I can, but will right. I be able to? He almost and, and gets there a few times. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so a traditional novel would at some point midway through stop maybe and have a chapter that goes back and says, you know, this is what happened to the world before and explains the bombs going off or explains the, you know, polar reversal, whatever the trauma that happened to this world is. But McCarthy is not interested, doesn't doesn't care, just keeps going with that, which is, I think, challenging, um, but also... I respect it i respect that choice but i see what you're saying nico in terms of like is that the right choice
2: (laughs) yeah i i think so after so you can listen to us watch the movie if you want (laughs) oh yeah yeah yeah. after watching so one of the things the movie does is there's a few times where it gives a little more information to solve some of the ambiguities and i think last night i was feeling like i appreciated those and now that i thought about it more I would like the book less if those things were in the book. Like, Why less? So a couple, so one, one of the moments I liked at the end was the ambiguity of, uh, so the part where they, where the dad makes the old, the guy stripped out. Yeah. I wondered when reading it, if the guy was part of the group that ends up taking the boy. And whether it was some sort of test. Right. The movie kind of answers that with a yes, because they, they have the missing thumbs right the the guy omar was missing a thumb and then the quote-unquote good people were also missing thumbs so the implication there is that they're together Hmm. interesting which i don't i don't think i like i like better
1: yeah
2: the ambiguity right and then same with that added scene where they show earthquakes and whatever and basically say it's a geological disaster right i don't think the story's better for that i don't think we need to know because it doesn't matter right like whether it was man made or natural made it doesn't matter right cuz there's nothing that doesn't the plot of the book is not about the end of the world
1: right right so that. it
2: so the the cause for the end of the world really doesn't matter i don't think and i, I think trying to like th- how does the book get better by knowing that besides you having that information it doesn't it doesn't change anything about their situation their condition what they can do about it or yeah. anything else well it does
3: so it would only change something if it did matter so if right, it's it like, could matter yeah so if it's like you know for instance if it was a nuclear bomb mm-hmm. and the dad has radiation sickness and the son is mutated anyway mm-hmm. and so then there's an additional layer of you know well we're gonna die anyway like we're dying from the radiation sickness before we're gonna die of starvation but there's nothing
2: whatever. in the book that says that's there's nothing am no, no, I'm not that. saying.
3: No, no, no. I'm not saying that that's what happened. I'm saying right. that's an example of how that that the setup of the world could have an effect on the story. I'm not saying that that would be better or worse. Right. Probably be worse. Yeah, but I think it would be it's worse. Not, it's not what he's trying to do. But I'm just saying that there is a, there is a way for that
2: to make a difference. Yeah, yeah so. I just don't know that. I don't think that's something the story is missing, I guess, is what I'm saying. It's not there, but it's not missing. Yeah, I think that it would be different stories.
3: Yeah. Yeah, 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 no, I, I don't think that he should do that. I just right. don't like the
2: fact that he didn't. <laughs> yeah, right, it's right. different. It's <laughs> yeah, I just, I think, I don't know. I, I think one of the questions I have is, is this the best or one of the best post-apocalyptic novels? Mm. And I ask that from the perspective of someone who doesn't really like post-apocalyptic anything. I don't find it that appealing. Right. But I think one of the things I don't like about it is constantly going on about the end of the world and how humans fucked it up and like this Mm. this sort of sermonizing of contemporary just the way the way we're obviously doing a bad job as humans and like it all led here right and that's the common refrain for those kind of books right and i like that this book the approach is like it doesn't fucking matter it's all gone right right and that's it we're just clawing around on the surface and that's kind of the end of it
1: yeah, I mean, comparing this to like a movie like The Day After, for instance, which is like s- supposed to be a call to action, it's essentially like you know propaganda in a good way, I guess, like for a cause that I, I believe in. This is definitely not that, right? This is this has a more purely artistic intention, at least that's what I, what I would say about it. Uh, Dave, let's hear from you. Where do you weigh in on some of these questions?
0: Well, yeah, I think <clears throat> Brick is right as uh, you know, as far as talking about canon is concerned, like. Uh, okay, it's either you think it's a good book or you don't, that's one thing but, you know, with all of the post-apocalyptic books that are out there, shouldn't we look at those as a group and then decide that the ones that are the best of that group are the ones that belong in the canon and so don't you have to weigh the road against, you know, the other entries in in that particular genre? Interesting.
3: There's also the the question of like, if if a book is influential but not necessarily like super well known like I read Parable of the Sower Mm. a couple months ago and it's basically The Road except the black woman Mm. and it came out 12 years before The Road this is clearly influenced by, by Parable of the Sower but like there's no Parable of the Sower movie there's no like cultural you know like people are like oh this is a book that was forgotten that was you know octavia butler and she's kind of getting a little bit of a renaissance but
1: yeah i would say now for 20 the past years, two years there's been like a yeah. sudden surge in attention to that book particularly yeah
3: uh so i don't know but yeah was it wasn't it wasn't like she was popular but right. clearly this is heavily influenced by that right that's interesting
1: let's talk about so when, when this novel came out one of the things that that was discussed uh i feel like when you know if book clubs were talking about or reading this book they talked about the sort of shock factor of the story there are a couple kind of shocking scenes uh there's one where they discover basically a human slavery dungeon uh where people are sort of being kept as like cattle essentially and there's i mean the most famous scene probably is there's the discovery of a infant being roasted cannibalism features in the book quite a bit and the, the most shocking version of that is that scene with the baby being eaten. how much did that factor into your reading experience of the road you know did it take away from it did it add to it was it sort of like a non-entity for you it's weird how it kind of comes and goes in little blips it's not really a focus of the book but it's definitely there i
2: think the answer to that question is different when this book came out mm. than since yeah. where mm. like there's so much post-apocalyptic stuff now, right? Mm-hmm. And like the whole, the whole keeping people alive so that you can eat their, like that was in The Walking Dead, and it was right. in a few other things, right? You know, like I think, the same with the, the dead babies, like that's horrifying, but right, it's not as shocking because it's been people latched onto that. I feel like that's an image that's shown up in horror movies and, and other right. things more recently.
0: Right. Yeah, it was probably a lot harder to be shocked in in 2006 for sure. And also, it's, you know, we're reading this book at a time where, you know, our country is like barreling toward fascism and this sort of future doesn't seem as far off as it would have in 2006.
1: So that makes it less shocking to you, but more horrifying, maybe?
0: Well, you know, I I was reading it partly for entertainment, but partly in preparation. (laughs) (laughs) Taking tips. The
2: newest, the newest edition has baby recipes in the back. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Diane uh, Mott Davidson's cannibalism, <laughs> cannibalism books. Uh, F is for femur. Oh
3: boy! Fuck. <laughs> you don't eat the femur. <laughs> yeah, you just chew around it. <laughs> so that kind of uh, reminds me of another question I wanted to to ask you guys. So the uh, the we get a lot of kind of what I think of as the trauma tour kind of style of writing where it's just, like, one horrible thing, another horrible thing, another horrible thing. So, and then the question that uh, the, the the everybody, the, the main characters are asking is, like, when should we kill ourselves? Mm-hmm. What are, is the purpose of staying alive in this world, in the book, do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the... To me, the, the part where the novel crystallizes, the, the, I think the key part is towards the end when the son asks the, the man... I came not that there's, they're talking about where they're going or where they're headed or something like that. And the man's like, there's no promise that anything will be better. And the son's like, what are we doing then? Like, what's the, what is this about? basically?" Yeah. And it's, yeah. I mean, that's the, the key question is what is it about? Right. Right. Um, and what is it about for the son and the father? Yeah. For the father, it's about the son, right? It seems like he wants to stay alive to preserve his son's right. life as much as he but, can and teach him how yeah. to live but
3: i don't think that's enough like just to just to keep living like that's that's kind of what i what i want to ask is like is it just to keep just to just to find another bunker with a little more food and like survive a couple more days right
2: i mean i think that's literally what the book's asking yeah and and i i don't yeah. know that again like that i think that's why i liked the ending being more ambiguous than the movie implied right, right. where there's like not an answer yeah Right, I think the movie says, "Yeah, you get a family, and then there's hope, and optimistic music plays." Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whereas, I, it is, in the way the book ends, he very well could be walking off with of cannibals. Yeah. Right. There's I mean, the, just no way of knowing. The
1: guy even says, "Like, it's you have to get shot." Like, <laughs> yeah. The kid asks, if mean, a good still, person or a bad person?" He's like, yeah. "I don't know."
2: Yeah. I still
3: think that's pretty. I don't know. My, so, I don't know. What do you think that?
1: Yeah, I
0: don't know, for some reason the end of that uh Saunders novel just came back to me where it's like the whole thing has been people kind of griping about how shitty the afterlife is and then at the end it's like you know all they want still is just more time.
1: Right, more life. Yeah. 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 It seems like for McCarthy, like if the if the book is asking the question that he goes asking, I think it sounds like McCarthy's answer is caring for your child is Enough, right? That's that's enough to get you through. That's that's enough motivation, and that's fine for him. I mean, as a, I'm not a parent, so I don't know if I have the same answer because I don't know those emotions or feelings. But it seems to be what he is concerned with for sure. Is is the the bond between father and son?
3: Yeah, I'm not sure that that's. I don't know. So I think that the the book's answer is that the kid is like the kid wants to help other people and he's constantly like we can't be the good guys if we don't help other people and it seems like that's kind of the answer is like even in the face of the post-apocalypse you still have to like work together even though there's assholes who are gonna take everything you have you still have to like help each other and the blah 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 yeah the father i think is rejected by the end of the book by right. the, because he mm-hmm. is only he is the selfish one he is constantly right. only like uh you know no we have to keep my child alive it's yeah like, but why like why are you also contributing to this misery right mm-hmm. and then like he dies and the kids life changes basically
1: yeah yeah like the the father is punished directly for his transgression right he yeah the robber he makes him strip essentially yeah. You know, condemns him to death. You know, more or less. The son says that, and then right after he's shot with an arrow and he gets poisoned and dies. Right? Yeah. right. So yeah, there is this like separate. It's not a separate question, I guess, but like intersecting question of like morality, right? Biblical morality mm-hmm. versus, I guess, like like Old Testament versus New Testament realities. It seems like right. right? Whereas the father seems to have an Old Testament morality. Survival matters, and you, you do what you can to keep yourself alive and your you know children, your kin alive, whatever. And you make sacrifices, and if you are transgressed, you then transgress against someone. That's how that goes. Right. Where the son is, like we mentioned, like, you no, know, we have to help people. He's like, mm-hmm. I mean, thank God McCarthy avoids the like chosen one cliche. Yeah. yeah, that
2: would have been a horrible book
1: but it's just enough there to make it where you see like it, he's not saying the kids jesus but like he's definitely espousing those beliefs right he right. believes in a testament version of like you know help your neighbor and and be kind to each other but i don't know if they're in conflict right i think that the the old the man's way must pass but also it's what helps the son get to where he's he yeah. his choices allow the son to have his morality too right
2: yeah i mean i think that's that's the the conflict cause i think Nico's reading's right yeah. Right. But at the same time, that's the, with the ambiguity in the end of like, it might not work. Right. right? And, and right. so the, I think kind of the point of the book is at some point, you just got to go for it. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, cause the, you're right. They can't get there without the dad's kind of outlook and approach because the kid would have been eaten. Right. But it's everyone taking the stance, like the dad in the world, that the world is getting worse and dying. Right. right. So at some point, something's got to change or, it's a lost cause. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. And then it just ends on a kind of a leap of faith.
3: Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it's the, the kind of the answer from the book is like, if you're just going to be like the dad, there is no point in surviving right. because you're just, you're just they're Like, what are you doing? Yeah. There's you're treading no,
2: water
1: yeah. until your death or someone kills you. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: uh, but the dad put this in the kid, right? It's the whole carrying the fire thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He loses
2: sight of it because of his own fear of
1: death i guess maybe not his own but or the weight of his responsibility right yeah. he believes that the most important thing for him is to keep his son alive and he'll do whatever it takes to make that happen right because
2: for him the fire is not having his kid die Is what right. it turns into right and that's not how the kid interprets it because that's not
3: what matters to him
2: what matters to him right yeah, he's and
3: yeah well in the book it seems like the kid is a bit savvier mm-hmm. and like makes a decision and he he's yeah. like yeah i can see what you're doing and what you're trying to do and i disagree with it whereas in the movie it was a little bit more like he's just sheltered he's just, just passive, yeah. and he just wants to he just wants to help people because he's a kid
1: right yeah yeah that part where he's they have the the fight after they leave the robber and the the man says you know i'm the one who has to make the decisions or i'm the one who has to think of these things the kid says no i am like i'm the one who has to think of these things like i'm the, the one yeah. who is trying to keep you on track yeah Yeah. which is and then
3: there's also the part where there he's like we're not we're not the good guys we never help anybody right it's
2: a nice 2006 allegory (laughs) for the baby boomers ravaged the fucking planet (laughs) (laughs) yeah the next generation has to figure it out and hope they survive Uh, so god in the canon. (laughs) 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 i I think we should talk about the stylistic choices of the Mm -hmm. book yeah I imagine they're contentious.
1: A big deal, or one of the big deal with McCarthy's writing in general is lack of diacritical marks, right? You know, very few apostrophes, no quotation marks. You know, it's kind of leaving it for you to figure out. I was talking to the personal pals earlier. I read an interview that McCarthy did with two high school students, uh, which is a great little story. You can find it if you search for it. You'll find it pretty quickly online. They were able, through some connections, to get some questions to him about all the pretty horses, not the road. But one of the things they asked was, "Why do you not use quotation marks and why don't you use apostrophes?" And his answer was, "I just like the, pain, the page to be as clean as possible, and those things mess it up," which is like definitely an answer. <laughs> and so I, I understand, but also it's. Do you I, do you guys think that it accomplishes that?
2: Uh, to some extent. Actually, I actually do. I don't love it, but I don't. I don't think it. I think it does accomplish that. Right where I think the book. Is just kind of a, a it, similar to how the plot structured. It's just kind of there, and it's yeah. just kind of laid out, and it's just, it just kind of blurs together.
3: Yeah. But
2: it, it's not confusing, right? I, I think if there were eight characters in this book and they were talking all the time, it would definitely it would be in the way. I think there was no point in this book where I didn't know who was saying what and who was going on. I don't think it was hard to follow.
1: Well, it mostly falls into a rhythm of back and forth exchanges. Right. right? Exactly so. That's what
2: I'm saying. So you know, if there were these. Big long, and it's not a lot of dialogue in the book anyway.
1: Right. Not supposed to repetitive dialogue. dialogue. What? Yeah. Most of that is repeated too, because the man yeah. will say something, and someone will say it back to him, and they'll repeat it back and forth. Right. And yeah. Like. So I don't.
2: It, it's not. It's not hard to follow. Right. I don't know that that approach would work in books that aren't specifically this one, though. Right. Well, yeah. He does it in all his books. Yeah. So I think that's a separate. Right. I think it works for this book.
1: Yeah. Or just yeah. doesn't. It didn't bump me in this one for yeah. sure. It, although it was funny whenever I would occasionally just like notice that there's no apostrophe in the don't or whatever and it was yeah. just like because i usually don't pay attention you know it's like a what called call just all thing like your brain fills in the gaps for yeah. you for most of those things but then occasionally you would look at the page and be like oh yeah no apostrophes huh that's weird but then yeah. you go back to it but nico it sounds like it was yeah for you.
3: i think it does the opposite i think it only confuses things mm. i think not having dialogue tags or quote marks it just, the only effect it had on me was like, I would have to go back and, and like, oh, is that, that person? Okay. Right. Also them not having names, like the characters not having names, like right. at best that is n- neutral. And at worst there are, there is a scene where there's three people, there's two, there's, they run into another man. Right. There's, there's, they're both called the man. Right. And it's like, wh- I had to read it at least twice. <laughs> see if i can find it when they got to the curve in the road the man was still standing there there was no place for him to go the boy kept looking back and when he could no longer see him he stopped and then he just sat down on the road stopping the man pulled up and stood looking at them he dug their shoes out of the cart and sat down and began to take the wrappings off the boy's feet you have to stop crying he said i can't the man looked back up the road the man squatted and looked at him right it's like th- the first the man is the guy that they leave behind. Right. And then it switches to the dad and he still calls him the man. That that kind of shit just bothers me. It's like there's no reason for that. It's like there's just no respect for the process of reading a book versus mm. the process of the book being this object that you that the writer wants it to be.
1: Yeah, and it does seem like McCarthy just cares about the object. Yeah. Or not uh, not I don't mean that in a negative way necessarily, but like he I don't think he He's not fussed. He's He's, like, I don't know, you'll figure it out. Yeah.
3: A very much like you have to bring the mountain to Muhammad kind of kind of Yeah, he's
1: like an old crank. Yeah. (laughs) It definitely comes across. Yeah. Dave, where are you on this stuff? I
0: was just gonna say, we can't we also call these things both strange and challenging, which fits into the definitions we talked about earlier.
1: I think you're totally right. To me that part of the strangeness of the style is the deliberate choices to avoid the sort of basic structures of novel writing mm-hmm. and that's definitely one of them in addition to that another sort of thing stylistic choice that i think is challenging or maybe not challenging but definitely it's like a deliberate thing is vocab choices right all the descriptions of the houses can are fully these really you know deep precise like design and like architecture vocab words that most of them i had no idea what he was talking about i had to do a lot of like looking up and eventually i stopped because there was too many of them but i noticed it because There is no... Because there's no background and because the characters are really sort of given to you on the page, there's not a lot of... When I say there's not depth, I don't mean they're not good characters, but just there's... We don't know about them. We don't know about... You know, the man could be a doctor, an architect, a rocket scientist, a folk singer. Any of those things would be plausible. We have no idea, right? Yeah. So because there's none of that... There's no reference for that. The narrator's voice is just, I think, McCarthy's voice, right? And he just knows a (laughs) bunch of shit about... like. He knows esoteric stuff. He knows a bunch of right. like detailed stuff about interior design and art structure and architecture, and so he deploys it. And you're like, well, yeah, I guess this makes sense because there's no reason for it not to. But also, it's like, fuck, I don't know what he's talking about. Like yeah. I had to really like try and like yeah. figure out what these words meant because there's a lot of that. Yeah, uh, which I find yeah. interesting.
0: Wait till Blood Meridian. <laughs>
3: yeah, fucking Blood Meridian. Jesus Christ. I think that the challenge is okay if there's a reason for it, yeah. uh, and if there's a reward. For it, and I, I know I have a less of a tolerance for f- for that than than you guys, but I really feel like like having ca- characters be confused because you didn't want to, you didn't want to even say like the dad or anything, right? To in this one scene, or or just like put an adjective in front of the man so that I didn't have to read that fucking six times until I figure out. I honestly thought that by the time like the man then like was in front of him and I was like, Oh, the guy came back. Nope. He didn't come back. That's the dad. And it's like, that kind of thing to me is not a challenge that I feel like is, is is, is like worth the effort. And I don't think it's even intentional. I think it's like, that's an oversight. Mm-hmm. And like in most of the other passages, he kind of cleans it up so that you can tell, when it's the dad and when it's somebody else. Right. And he just missed that one. Right. That's what what I kind of think cuz there's no reason. Hmm. Like I can't I can't come up with the reason to make it more difficult to understand what's ha- what's what is physically
1: happening and which person is which. Right. I mean I yeah, I guess if there's a reason, I mean I it, it might be because the reason is just because, right? Just because that's right. what that's <laughs> this is a writer who does not care right about helping you right <laughs> he's just doing the things in his head and like take it or leave it right which maybe isn't a satisfying answer but i think that's the answer is that he's just right. that guy there's a passage this is on page 130 for me um that i earmarked for a reason i wanted to read it to you just as a good example i think of the prose style here and, and what i like about it so he says as they scrabble through the chartered ruins of houses they would not have entered before a corpse floating in the black water of a basement among the trash and rusting ductwork. He stood in the living room, partly burned and open to the sky, the water-buckled boards sopping away into the yard, soggy volumes in a bookcase. He took one down and opened it and then put it back, everything damp, rotting. In a drawer, he found a candle, no way to light it. He put it in his pocket. He walked out into the gray light and stood and he saw for a brief moment the absolute truth of the world, the cold, relentless circling of the interstate earth, darkness implacable, the blind dogs of the sun in their running. The crushing black vacuum of the universe, and somewhere, two hunted animals trembling like ground foxes in their cover, borrowed time and borrowed world and borrowed eyes, and which with which to sorrow it. That I think is mm-hmm. one of the most beautiful passages ever read. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. it's fucking terrifying and heartbreaking. But it's like, god, yeah. the the writing here is spectacular. He's such a good stylist. Yeah, and I love how that passage goes from specifics of going to a house seeing the board seeing the book and then this like sudden brush towards like the cosmos and death and eternity and terror it's like no one else does that that's that was yeah i really love that
2: yeah yeah it's good yeah there's there's another one that i have that's also around a book oh yeah where he does the the opposite where he goes backwards oh uh he says i know it's all right i'm gonna get better you'll see his dreams brightened the vanished world returned kin long dead washed up and cast face sideways looks upon him none spoke he thought of his life so long ago a gray day in a foreign city where he stood in a window and watched the street below behind him on a wooden table a small lamp burned on the table books and papers it had begun to rain and a cat at the corner turned and crossed the sidewalk and sat beneath the cafe awning there was a woman at a table there with her head in her hands Years later, he'd stood in the charred ruins of a library where blackened books lay in pools of water. Shelves tipped over. Some rage at the lies arranged in their thousands, row on row. He picked up one of the books and thumbed through the heavy, bloated pages. He'd not have the value of the smallest things predicated on a world to come. It surprised him. That the space which these which these things occupied was itself an expectation. He let the book fall and took a last look around and made his way out into the
1: cold gray light. Yeah, that was really good. I like The Passengers, too. Yeah. That feels like one of those writer moments of, at some point, McCarthy probably was sitting in a hotel and saw through a window woman at a table, and a cat, and just, like, used it and inserted it, but Mm -hmm. works really well there. Remember that Hemingway story? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I like that he doesn't, that he kind of
3: spins those out, like, every once in a while, instead of, like, not everything is described that way. It'll just be, like, you know, every...
2: 20 pages or whatever. Right. Which is a good. Yeah, I think it's it. a much better yeah, approach totally. than just the chapter of what it had been. You
1: right. know what I mean? Well, yeah, and since there's no, I mean, there really is no narrative arc here in the traditional sense. Yeah. It sort of just kind of propels itself through either your interest in seeing what happens to these characters or there's this built in rhythm of some passages are just like, Here's what happens. Here's where they were. Here's what he did. And then those are like a sudden lurch into like poetry and sort of philosophy and then back. Like, so you kind of like, you're, you're almost like the structure that the arc you're getting is like this arc of like thought, right? You know, action yeah. and thought together, which I think does work for making you want to read it. Although it does become, I think, punishing at some point. To yeah. read. I mean, book. the
2: whole book is essentially this guy dying.
1: Yeah. Right? And yeah. like
2: the thoughts that go with it, right? The kid was never alive right. in the old world. Yeah. And so the book is right. waiting for him to die is, right. is essentially the book.
1: Yeah. And, and the, to answer the question, what are you going to do? Like, what are you eventually going to be able to do what you're supposed to do or not? Right. Are you like kill yourself and kill the kid? Or are you going to like, let them live, let yourself live or whatever. Right. I don't have any other place to mention this. So I'll mention it now. This book was spoiled for me long before I ever read it or even thought about reading it, but the spoiler was wrong. Uh, so I don't know how this happened. It must have been some combination of me mishearing something or just like making up my own head kind of or someone just like telling me an outright lie. But I conflated the baby spit roast scene with the son. And I I had been told or I imagine I'd been told that the twist of the novel was that eventually the man eats the child. Oh. <laughs> and that the whole thing is this like perverse joke where, like, the question is being asked, like, at some, you know, are you gonna be able to take responsibility and, and, you know, either save your son or kill yourself and him before things get too dark? And in my head, was, as soon as that question came up in the first, whatever, 20 pages of the novel, I was like, oh, fuck, it's gonna be really dark when he eats that kid. <laughs> and I was not looking forward to it which definitely also <laughs> is part of the reason savage why savage ending yeah it's part of why it took me a long time to read it is because i didn't want to get to that part where eats the child So i was not looking forward to this so imagine my surprise when it comes to does not happen i was like what the fuck <laughs> like where's it the plane but thank god but it did fuck up my reading experience like i i wish i hadn't had that because i think i would have had a different experience i probably would have read it in one sitting because i read the first hundred pages in the first sitting i then i kind of put it away and had basically exponential decay from there in my reading time because i was partly so worried about this child eating scene <laughs> it yeah. was not was totally fictionalized. Yeah, that's uh that's unfortunate i think. It really sucks. <laughs> but also i think it does speak to the novel's reputation and how much of it was built on this like shock factor things of like yeah there's going to be a baby being eaten. But also yeah the betrayal of that you know hypothetical narrative turn would make this like, a yeah, much darker book and make mccarthy a much you know, darker figure. And so thank God it wasn't
2: that. Let's do an episode where we just invent fake spoilers for different famous yeah. books,
1: but they're all about, they're all about cannibalism. cannibalism of children.
3: <laughs> and eats the train.
1: <laughs> so you didn't believe
0: me when I said that the last page is the guy waking up and it was all a dream.
1: I didn't, but I also did not believe you. So I was talking to Dave. I was trying to read the last 90 pages and I was like, yeah, I'm kind of delaying it. I was doing my uh, 101 Ghost Jokes Ranked Ranked Rankings. And he was like, here's a quick summary. <laughs> they, on the road for another 89 pages, 89 and a half pages and the last half page, he realizes it's just a dream wakes up. And I was like, ha ha. But then in my head, I was like, well, <laughs> plausible. I, 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 you know, would be surprised, I guess. So, I don't know. Changed my, mm. changed my experience of the novel, I guess. Yeah, jeez. Let's roll <laughs> with the canon. Okay, so... It's time to, to make our decision here.
2: How are we going to break a tie?
1: Good question. Dick fight. We could. What was that? Dick fight.
2: <laughs>
1: Classic dick fight. I think we should have a, a tie category and maybe revisit ties in the future and see if our thoughts have changed. Great. So, The Road by Cormac McCarthy, does this belong the Western canon of literature or should we what should we do? So last time we shot it to the ocean. <laughs> what should we do with our canon this time?
3: Obviously roasted on roasted yeah. a spit.
0: <laughs> are we is the okay. question should it be in the canon today or 100 years from
1: now? Let's say today. The new canon. Okay. Yeah. Today. Do or well, I guess that's a good Going question, Dave. We've... Yeah. Do we see this belonging to the canon? Yeah, in the future. Right, let's go around. Nico, I think I know what your vote is, but go ahead and vote for us. I don't. I
3: don't think so. And I think it's. I think part of it is the originality that mm. it's like. It is stylistically original, but it's stylistically original in the way that all Cormac McCarthy books are right. original. It's like the Cormac McCarthy style, and and that to me does not distinguish this book. And I think that there is. Challenge there, and there's like both good and bad challenge. So like the passages that you guys read, I feel like are the good challenge. That's like trying to get to it, like a complicated emotion and a complicated feeling about your world. Hmm. And then there's the challenge where like fuck you, I'm not gonna give him my name, and that's bullshit to me. And that's right. the kind of challenge that I feel like book the Booker Prize winners have that I hate when hmm. it's like it's like we're gonna I'm gonna make something so stylistically. Weird that that's what you're focused on, and it covers up that there's that the story doesn't have a lot of depth to it right and i don't i I don't think this has enough depth to to be in the canon
1: gotcha one vote no on to brick
2: I think it belongs in
1: one end canon, yeah tell us why
2: I think this book was at the forefront of a wave of literary genre books and I think it's better than just about everything else that tried to do that that Mm. I've read Mm. I think it asks some pretty challenging questions about morality about the point of fucking living Mm. and I appreciate that it doesn't answer them Mm. Mm. and I I think it would have been easy to have turned this into a different story by right. making some changes like that where, like, I like that this doesn't really have an ending. Right. Right? Where it's normally that bothers me in a book, but I think it works for what this book's doing. Right. That's the literary part. hmm Yeah. Yeah. And I think watching the movie made me like the book more, which is not something that usually happens
1: to me. Huh. So, interesting.
2: Yeah. Last night I thought I liked the movie,
1: and then I thought about it all night. <laughs> I came about face. Gotcha. We're tied. Yeah. At one, man. One canon, to one canon. It's a tough one.
0: You know, Well, the questions at its core are canon-worthy. I think I'm kind of with Nico on the lack of depth and the sort of, you know, stiff arm that he gives the reader keep it from the canon for me. Yeah, I'm going no. Whoa. Wow. I think... Surpri- uh, I did not come into the- this episode with that, with that, with my mind made up, but that's kind of where I'm at right uh, now.
3: Huh. I think one of the Biggest differences between me and Brick is just our, our readings. I think the book does answer the questions, and I don't find the answers very interesting. <laughs> mm, right. So that I mean that's just you know I don't know
1: what's so, gonna be. So we're we're two down, uh, two cannons, one cannon. It's up to me. <laughs> Five total ends. So far. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so when when I came into the discussion, or I guess like yesterday my inclination was no, but talking about it has changed my mind. And now I'm, I'm voting. Yes. Oh my God! But by <laughs> a margin, with
2: a, start with a tie by a margin.
1: Uh, i I think Dave and I are probably kind of like right on the same edge and just like, just shifted in either direction for yeah. our votes. It could have gone either way for me. The reason why I was thinking no earlier was because of how frustrating the experience was for me to read it. Right. Because yeah. I think if I, if I had sat down and read it all one way through, or in one sitting I probably would have been a yes from the get go but because I had to read it I didn't have to but I chose to read it over several spurts I was like back to this shit again and the the yeah. fact of like I just read 50 pages and they found a house and then left the house and then found right. something and then didn't find something and I was like this is the same thing i just read the last 50 pages yeah. right
3: it was the scenes are like you could shuffle them up and yeah. put them in a different order and it'd be the, mostly the same
1: yeah totally but the more i think about through our discussion and through watching the movie yesterday too the prose specifically and the way the the gambit i guess of taking all those you know scaffoldings of novels away and just leaving this and and you know asking the reader like well figure it out confront yourself with it and see what happens to you yeah. i do mm-hmm. respect that so this this mm-hmm. to me would would barely edge into canon territory but just barely
3: well I feel like Susan Collins, and you're my Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> I've been misled. Ooh. I would never have voted I made for you. Private assurances <laughs> to you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I came to your office, and talked yeah. to you about which I hated the road. It really was. It was a narrow switch, and it was just through talking about it, which is I think sometimes the benefit of doing these things is you talk. Yeah, it happened to you guys with Bartleby, right? Uh, we talked about it, and you kind of like, yeah you know, felt more positive about it. So, uh, one question that I kind of want to ask in response to our vote here also is do you think blood meridian has better chances of being in the canon my sense is yes right it's older and it seems to be more respected but so nico and dave you guys are partly through it i haven't even read it <laughs> did you read the Brick?
2: no i read all
1: the pretty horses okay yeah thoughts on that
3: i don't know i mean that's also a literary genre book like right he's he's doing a western right and there's even fewer handholds and there's even more Cormac (laughs) McCarthy-ness and there's even more like kind of there's even more like, I don't know what the fuck is happening, but I generally know that what people are doing and what I'm supposed to be getting from this, which is that people are brutal and the the wild west was a fucking nightmare place. And like, it's like I get the themes. And so the specifics that, Never really build on those themes. I don't know. I have I have a lot of the same problems, but more with Mm. Blood Meridian. So I don't know. Gotcha. I I would probably say no. Yeah. And nobody would fucking read that book. Half the people that say they've read that book have not finished it. I guarantee (laughs) at least at least half.
1: Dave, do you have thoughts on
0: that? Yeah, I mean, you know, it is definitely far more of a challenge, and there, from what I've read so far, there seems far more depth than we find here. Is there? But like Nico's saying, is it too difficult to read? I don't know. I definitely want to go back to it at some point. Right. I would say because of its inaccessibility, you know. I guess it depends on. Uh, I don't know, man. It's like the road is obviously the one more widely read, more easy to read for sure, and that's right. why it's more likely to be read still in a hundred years. But does that mean it merits mm-hmm. inclusion in the canon more than Blood Meridian? I would say probably not based on what i've read so far
1: right that makes sense not to bring it back to bloom but he in the western canon i think mccarthy is the most contemporary author he mentions there as being in the canon and he mentions blood meridian as his choice work but that was also written in 1994 so and you know the road was still in the offing there so who knows what he would have thought about the road or do we care about him probably not interesting interesting conversation interesting initial volley in the canon or canon volume two uh discussion upcoming our next book in the series is there there by tommy orange now brick you've read this mm-hmm. dave's read it nico you have not read it no nope. nor have i P- published 2019 2020 something like that recent
2: i think a little earlier than that but okay not a ton but
1: still pretty contemporary within the last five years yeah looking forward to that listeners if you want to get in on this start reading there there by tommy orange we'll have the next episode out to you soon enough with more discussion and more investigation of the canon until then oh we have the sign off oh my god what am we doing mm-hmm. talk to us on twitter at yak and tell us your thoughts on the road did you think that was gonna be eaten as well uh, were you deluded Were you we the friend who told me that lie if you were i hate you tell us all <laughs> on twitter you also email us at Yakbabiespodcast at gmail.com with your thoughts your angry uh, notions about our votes, when i not hear all that kind of stuff. And also you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Shackbabies, where you can access our bonus podcast. We have a whole bunch of material there for you that is stuff we wouldn't release in the made feed games and, you know, kind of like excerpts from discussions that are just, uh, you know, tangents and they're wacky and they're weird and they're gross usually. We also have a separate podcast called 101 Ghost Jokes Ranked, where we ranked 101 Ghost Jokes. And uh, that's there as well. The first episode's in the main feed as a bonus. So if you like that and want to hear more, there's seven more episodes waiting for you for only a dollar. Get that and enjoy. And also our merch, tinyyearold.com slash yakbabies, where we have t-shirts and posters and mugs with Bricks designs, all really funny and cool and worth checking out. Until then, Yak Yakbabies, yakking off.
2: The Yak Babies would like to thank all the loyal listeners, and especially their patrons, both past and present, including Michael. Bonnie, Sebastian, David, Roger, Kathleen, Bailey, Andrew, Gilbert, and William Howard Taft.